That is the right one. So we're in good shape. Good to see you this evening. We are finishing up our series, some of you are saying finally, on spiritual warfare. And we're looking at Ephesians 6, the different uh, pieces of armor that the Christian soldier is to put on. And, and we're looking at prayer tonight. Now prayer, as, at least as Paul defines it in Ephesians 6, he doesn't make uh, you know, a parallel with uh, the Roman soldier's armor, at least not with prayer. He does with the other things, but not with prayer. And uh, we've been looking throughout this series about what it means to suit up, what it means to put on the full armor of God, because when you became a Christian, among other things, you became enlisted into the Lord's army. And you have no choice but to fight. You can't be neutral here. You can't be Switzerland. You've got to fight. And so when it becomes apparent that we are in spiritual warfare, the only thing we can do is fight, right? We can't just sit and be walloped by the devil. And like we said throughout this series, we even mentioned it this morning, that the devil has power, but he doesn't have authority. He only has the authority you give him, so don't give it to him. Don't be a vehicle. Don't be a carrier. Have your partnership with God already established. And one of the ways that we do that is through prayer. I know when I was coaching, one of the things that I would do is I'd ask my kids to lead the prayer before we'd go out and play the game. And for the first few months of that, the prayer always seemed to include, and dear God, help us to win this game. And I thought, okay, maybe we need to have a lesson one day in kind of how to pray. Because while it was sincere, and I didn't want to be harsh or rude or anything, I mean, what if the other team was praying that same thing? What's to say that God is going to choose us over them? I mean, if God cared about who was going to win a basketball game, then Harding would be undefeated every year, right? Freed Hardman would win the national championship because obviously God loves Church of Christ teams better than he does any other, right? But anyway, so we go and we talk, and, and I, I mentioned to them, you know, here's kind of what we're looking for when we pray, you know, maybe pray that everybody stays healthy. Let's pray that we go out and we glorify God in the way that we play, right? But it, it reiterates a truth maybe even in the church as well is that Prayer is one of those subjects we could talk about for hours on end and do many sermons on because so many of us maybe feel like we're not making that connection. We feel like that, uh, you know, maybe we're, we're praying, but we don't really know how to pray or what we're praying for. It's kind of like the soldier that was on sentry duty during World War I, and after he was relieved from his post, he walked over a little ways, he stood towards facing enemy lines. And he got down on his knees and he started talking. He was praying, but he was doing it out loud. And one of the other soldiers heard him and turned him in because he thought that he was talking to the enemy. And so the ranking officer brings him in and he says, you've been accused of talking to the enemy. What do you have to say for yourself? And he said, it's not true. And he said, well, then you weren't talking while you were out there, uh, uh, you know, after you left your post. And he said, well, I was, but I was praying. He said, you were praying. Show me. And so he started praying the prayer that he was praying, and the, the ranking officer said, you're excused. Nobody could pray like that unless they've been practicing. Have you been practicing? I'm sure all of us have prayed. I'm assuming that tonight. But if this is going to be about relationship above all else, like we established this morning, then certainly prayer has to be a part of that. You can put on all the other accoutrements that come with the soldier's armor, but if you don't have prayer, it's not going to work. No matter what else you put on, if you don't put on prayer, you're never going to be successful in this fight. You are never going to win. Prayer is our lifeblood. It is spiritual breathing. It keeps us alive spiritually. Over the last few years, I have changed 
my approach in preaching. I even told somebody the other day, I've looked back at sermons I did 10 years ago and think, why in the world did I preach that? So I think I've grown a little bit. And one of the ways that I've grown is when I first started preaching, I felt like that it was my job to basically put together a research paper every week and then deliver it on Sunday, kind of like a book report. I studied the book, here's my book report. And I, of course, since, thankfully, realized that it's not about giving you information. Preaching is not about disseminating information. It's about hopefully inciting transformation, right? So every year at preacher training camp, we tell the boys, your, your sermon has to answer the question, so what? Who cares what you know? Tell us what to do with what we know. I can read the Bible. I can read those same verses you're reading. Some of the young guys want to do what's uh, called concordance pre preaching. We have to talk to them about that. You know what concordance preaching is? Your topic is faith, so they go to the back of the Bible and they find all the verses on faith and then they just recite those. That's their preaching. I said, you know, I can do that. Anybody else can do that. What do these verses mean for my life? Because we're all limping disciples, aren't we? We all need hope. We all need help to make it through this life. And so it's not just about knowledge. It's about how do I put that knowledge in action? And so when we talk about prayer, I can stand up here and I can tell you, you need to pray. And that's fine and good. You know that. But tell me, tell me more, right? Help me with my prayer life. Somebody once said, if you want to be better at prayer, just, just keep praying. And, and that's probably true. But we've got to make that connection, right? Because prayer isn't just about lip service. Prayer isn't just about using your, your, your tongue. You know, there's more involved than that in prayer. It's about your heart, and it's about that connection. It's about plugging in to the life source. And so I can tell you over and over again that you need to pray, but listen to what Paul says. He says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints, and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. That's Ephesians 6. I'm sorry I didn't say that on the front end. But I think right here in these words, Paul gives us three aspects, not an exhaustive list, but three aspects on the list of things that need to happen in prayer. Consistency, intensity, and humility. Did you catch that? It needs to be constant, it needs to be intense, and it needs to be unselfish. Romans 12 and verse 12, Paul mentions several elements related to godly living, and he concludes by exhorting Christians to be devoted to prayer. The Greek word used in Romans 12, 12 is proskartereo, and it means to be steadfast or to continue steadfastly in a thing. It means to give unremitting care to, to persist at, or remain with. In connection with people, it means to be loyal to. In Colossians 4 and 2, Paul tells us, to devote ourselves to prayer. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 and 18, he writes, Pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, that phrase, without ceasing, doesn't mean that you are to pray constantly and never do anything else. That would be, that would be unrealistic, right? Because the Bible also gives us instructions on raising our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You can't do that if you're constantly praying. The Bible gives us a lot, of, uh, a lot of things that we are to be doing as a child of God and what discipleship entails. I can't go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations if I'm constantly praying, right? So that, that phrase, without ceasing, is one word in the Greek. It doesn't mean uninterrupted. It means that which is constantly recurring. And we do certain things at regular intervals, don't we? 
Hopefully, we brush our teeth. Hopefully, you know, we shower, we go to work, we go to school. We do a lot of things habitually because of the benefit that is derived from them, because they're necessary, perhaps. Same kind of concept when it comes to prayer. Prayer should be habitual. It should be ritual, but not just that, right? You can do a lot of things habitually and ritualistically and your heart never be engaged. I mean, I don't know about you, but there are times when I slip into bed and I think, did I brush my teeth? And I guess I did, but you know, I just do it out of habit. You don't think about it anymore. We don't want to get that way with prayer, obviously. Prayer is a habit, it's a ritual, but at the same time, it's one that involves the heart because, again, this is, a, this is a relationship. And you think about what our words mean to other people in a relationship. I mean, how nice is it for guys, for you to hear from your wife, I love you, you look nice today. I mean, it's pretty endearing for ladies to hear from their husband, I love you, you look pretty. And the reverse of that is true. I mean... Many people have been torn down by the words of other people. You're ugly, you're dumb, whatever it may be. Somebody said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Does anybody believe that garbage? Because it's not true. Sure, words hurt, but words can build up and words can build a relationship. And if you're in love with someone, then you're constantly in communication with them. So we can't get by in having a relationship where we don't pray to God continually, not uninterrupted, but making regular habit of that. Through prayer, the prophet Elijah prayed that it would not rain, and it didn't. Then he prayed that it would rain, and it did. Through prayer, Hezekiah was granted a little more time here on earth. Through prayer, Job found forgiveness for his friends. Through prayer, Christ found peace in the shadow of the cross. Through prayer, David found restoration. We see it over and over again in the Bible the benefits of going to God in prayer. Obviously, us going to God in prayer is going to mean one of three things. Either the answer is going to be yes, the answer is going to be no, or the answer is going to be not yet. I don't believe in unanswered prayer. I believe all prayer is answered. Just maybe not in the way that we would like it to. You know, I've been praying this week. I've been praying for encouragement. You know, it's easy in ministry. I'm not, I'm not asking any of you to talk me down off a ledge, okay? So let me just say this. But it's easy in ministry, right, Luke, to, to get discouraged. And, and you know, you kind of you see some situations and you go, man, you know, it's just, it kind of can get tough some weeks. And so I prayed for encouragement. And look what happened this morning. We had a beautiful service. Got to see a lot of friends I hadn't seen in a while. The singing was great. You know, besides the sermon, everything went really well. And so I appreciated that. I mean, God answers prayer, right? And he answered it this morning in a, in a profound way. But not, not always does he answer it the way we'd like. Paul prayed three times that that mysterious thorn in the flesh be removed from him. I have a dear friend in Batesville, Arkansas named Thad. And Thad was let go from his job many, many years ago. And he prayed to God they would find something and they wouldn't be out of work very long. And so the next day he got an interview with a company. He was an office manager. He got an interview with a, with a company to be their office manager. And he went for the interview and everything went perfect. He was the right man for that job. It was going to pay more than he made in the other job. And he thanked God that he had answered his prayer exactly the way that he had hoped the next day, that company called, and they didn't hire Thad. They hired somebody else. And he said, in my immaturity, I actually said to God, you let me down. 
that this was the right job for me and you let me down. Well, about a week or so went by and another company called. It's the company he is still with today, some 20-something years later, the company he will retire with, the company that has, has really uh, been great to him in, in giving him raises and bonuses and taking really good care of his family and allowing him to stay in the town he was in and not have to move. And that other company, that other prayer that he prayed, and that other company that didn't hire him, they went bankrupt in two months. And he said, I had to go back to God groveling on my knees. God, I'm so sorry. I didn't trust in you like I should have. God doesn't always answer our prayer in the way that we would like. However, prayer is powerful and prayer changes things. How do I become a better servant? How do I become salt of the earth or a brighter light in the world around me? How do I overcome worry and anxiety? How do I become more introspective and less judgmental of others? How do, I, how do I become poorer in spirit? How do I become gentler? How do I become uh, purer in heart? How do I become more peaceable? How do I learn to let go and forgive? Certainly we find profound teachings in Scripture pertaining to all of these things, but certainly prayer, certainly prayer means a lot in all of those respects. Daniel certainly understand, understood the importance of prayer as it relates to living a godly life. Chapter 6, verse 10 of Daniel, it says, Now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house, now in his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem, and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. Regular prayer affords blessings that are vital to the spiritual warrior. There is peace that surpasses all comprehension. There is help in times of temptation. There is wisdom. There is a supply of physical needs. There is healing, both physical and spiritual. There is forgiveness. There is assistance. There is all things good. There is power in prayer, but you have to regularly plug in to the outlet. So prayer is consistent. Prayer is also intense. Maybe you've been intense in prayer when you got a devastating diagnosis, when someone in your family was dealing with a terrible illness. You were on your knees and you were panicked and you were crying and you were sweating and you were just praying. You were hoping against all hope that God would heal them, that he would give you just a little more time with them. All of you know what it's like to be intense in prayer. In verse 44 of Luke chapter 22, it says, And being in agony, he, Jesus, was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. The word fervently here derives from the Greek word agonizomai, which is where we get our word for agony. You ever been in agony in prayer? I don't know that you need to be in agony every time you pray, but I do think that our prayers need to be intense. Not that we're always going to be crying, not that we're always going to be sweating drops of blood, but there's an intensity involved when we connect with God. If we want what we're praying for, it's going to be intense. If we, if we have faith, you know, prayer is a, a window to the heart and, and, and it shows our faith, it exposes our faith. If we love God so much and we want that relationship so badly, then we're going to be intense in prayer. God wants intensity when we pray. He wants our prayer lives to be filled with fervency. That doesn't mean that we'll always cry our eyes out. 
Sometimes we're so excited and so elated that we can't help but smile, maybe even laugh. But how bad do you want what you pray for? Do you really want what's spiritually best for your children? Do you really want your marriage to work? Do you really want to see the lost come to Christ? How bad do you want what you pray for? So there's this consistency, and there's this intensity, and there's also a humility involved in prayer. We could say it's unselfish. We must learn what it means to not just pray for ourselves, but to pray for others and pray outside of ourselves. Is selfish prayer wrong? No, not always, right? If you are sick or hurting, you're going to pray for yourself, and that's perfectly fine. David prayed a selfish prayer that we can all understand when his child was sick and died. Jesus prayed in the garden with the cross looming. He even prayed, if there's any other way, God, we understand praying for selfish needs. Where it becomes a problem is when we only focus on self and we don't focus outside of our own bubble. Where it becomes a problem is when we treat God like a genie or a vending machine and I put in my, put in my prayer and I expect the blessing to be dispensed. When I treat God like Santa Claus, when I, when I come to God with a grocery list of items that I want Him to fulfill, I pray selfishly when I focus only on what I want from God and not what I can give to God. When I don't focus on what's going on around me, in the world, the lost, those people who truly need me. James wrote in his epistle, What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Any hindrance to our prayer life, whether it be selfishness or something else, really boils down to motive. Wrong motives shut the door to prayer. That's basically what James is saying, right? James poses a basic yet profound question. What is your motive? What is driving your prayer life? What's driving the relationship? And if the relationship is important to you, then the motive is going to be your will be done. Your will, God. That's what it means to surrender. I give up control and allow you to be in control of my life, God. The right heart, the right attitude, praying for the right thing. I went to the gas station the other day, and I didn't have two pennies. I got coffee. It was $1.62, and I had $1.60. And I said, do you have two pennies? You can cover that? She said, yes, we can do that. I said, thank you. I'm just a poor preacher. And she goes, I know. I've heard you. <laughs> I'm going to pray for that girl. <laughs> Many years ago, I had the opportunity to speak at, uh, in Brinkley, Arkansas, where my dad's from. And although my, bapt uh, my dad was only baptized a few years ago, he grew up in the church. Uh, all of his family, all of his siblings, members of the church. And, and uh, so I got to preach in Brinkley, Arkansas at this small congregation. It was about, you know, 60 people. And right before I went up to preach, I did what I always do. I, I prayed. I was sitting in the pew, and I just had my head down, and I was praying. And my dad noticed. And so that, at that time, he wasn't a Christian. And so he asked me afterwards, he said, you know, what were you doing before you went up to speak? And I said, well, I was praying. And he said, what were you praying for? And I said, I was praying that basically that 
that God let me do a good job. And he said, why didn't God ever answer your prayer? And I said, well, thanks. <laughs> but my point for bringing that up is that it, it made an impact on my dad for him to see me praying. And, and our children hopefully see us praying. Others that maybe don't know Jesus see us praying. And kind of like the disciples, they say, teach us how to pray. Do you think the disciples never prayed when they asked Jesus that? you think they'd never prayed before? I don't believe that. I just don't think they'd ever prayed like that. Because they saw Jesus having a relationship. And they wanted that relationship. They wanted what he had. Don't you want that? Don't you want that kind of relationship? Folks, listen to me. I need your prayers. I need you to pray for me. I need it. Each and every day, I need you to pray for me. Not just for what I do up here, but for who I am outside of here. Because I'm just like you. I have struggles. I have things that I deal with just like you do. We're all limping disciples. So I need your prayers. But you need my prayers as well. And you've got them. You've got them every day. But every Thursday, I get up here early and I walk around this campus and I pray for, for our members. I pray for our elders by name and their wives. I pray for our staff members by name and their wives. I pray for you. I pray for those who are hurting, who are sick, who are dealing with difficulties because I love you. And I know you pray for me because you love me. And we pray to God. Why? Because we have a relationship with him and we love him. Connect. Be consistent. Be intense. And be humble. And foster the most important relationship that you will ever have. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for another day, for another opportunity to worship. God, help us to be more like Jesus. May we all show who you are to those around us. May we glorify you in everything that we do. May we always, always seek to develop the relationship and draw as close to you as possible. It's in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. So, I want to encourage you to go out and have a great week. Remember, we're all born with an expiration date, and we don't know when it's going to come due. So, let's make sure that we're making the most of this time that we have, and let's redeem it. Kevin's going to lead us in a song, if we can pray with you, if you'd like to study the Bible with someone, if you'd like to put on Christ in baptism, whatever your need is tonight, there is no reason to leave here tonight without being right with God. Why don't you come as we stand and as we sing?